0: Everyone, and welcome to episode 299 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois.
1: Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, and uh, and I hope uh, all you Ping Skillers out there are having a good table tennis week.
0: Indeed, and it's show 299, Alois, so close to the big 300. It is, isn't it? What, would that be
1: one show away, Jeff? Oh, see, you're, you're, you're the maths guy.
0: You're getting pretty good at maths yourself. Well done, exactly. Alois. It is hey. one away from 300. That's right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I see. I know that. I need. I know these sorts of things.
0: Now, next show, 300. We should do. We should do something special. It sounds like a you know a big number.
1: It is a big number, 300. What, what, what should we do? I was thinking of a competition of some sort, Geoffrey. So.
0: Okay, yep, good idea. All right, well, we've got a week to come up with it, so um, yep. I reckon we should give away some some T-shirts, Alice.
1: Some Ping Skills T-shirts or just some mini T-shirts, like we'll go down the local market and get some T-shirts and give them to people?
0: Maybe any sort of T-shirt, and they might, if they're lucky, just happen to be Ping Skills T-shirts.
1: Okay, all right. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Pink skills T-shirts.
0: All right, so there you well, go. Stay tuned. Next week we'll have some information on the podcast about the competition. We'll yes, figure out what it is And we'll uh, yeah, it'll be good.
1: We've got a week. Yeah, that, yeah, that should give us time. enough time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, it, yeah. So next week, about this time, you know, we'll be doing the show, and then we'll be releasing it. So, um, yeah, get onto it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because
1: you'll need to, you'll need to get in early.
0: Yeah, it'll be popular.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, indeed. All right, well, let's get back on to show 299, because this is going to be a ripper of a show in itself, Alois. Yeah,
1: well, when you, any show that you start with a joke of the week it will be a good show, Jeff.
0: Exactly. I'm glad you're on board. Good. All right, good. now, there was, there was a teacher, Aloys, and he said to the class, who will give me the chemical formula for water? And a pupil put up his hand and just couldn't control his excitement. He just yelled out, H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O. And the teacher said, what on earth are you about? And, and the pupil said, well, you said yourself yesterday, it was H-2-O. H.I.J.K. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's good. At least it's not a maths joke, it's a, <laughs> it's a chemistry joke. It's a chemistry you're getting, joke. You're getting better.
0: Uh yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, great stuff. All yeah. right, well, moving yeah. on, Alice. <laughs> what happened
1: on this week? Yes, well, on this week, it was actually Ariel Singh's birthday. So, um, uh, uh, that, was, that, that was like, you know, on the 29th of November anyway. So, um, and Ariel Singh, can you, how old do you reckon Ariel Singh is, Jeff?
0: Oh, 13. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she was, she was
1: <laughs> when she, when she uh, came to, you know, to, to be a pretty good table tennis player. But she is only 21 years old.
0: That's pretty young Uh, still, isn't it?
1: It is. And it just feels like she's done so much um, in that time uh, with her table tennis and with a few other things. So she she won the Intercontinental Cup uh, in singles in 2012. So that's uh, five years ago. So she she was just 16. But at the age of – how old was she? She was really young when she won um, like the um, – national championships as well yeah yeah so she won the pan-american championship oh sorry she got bronze medal in the pan Pan am championships in 2011 but she won the north american championships in uh, 2013 um won the north american cup in 2011 and 2012 so yeah i mean gee she's she's done a real lot and um and she also featured in that um the topspin film, didn't she, Jeff?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's where. Um, yeah, a lot of people would have known it from from the topspin uh, documentary, which was really interesting. you looking at their journey to um, try and qualify um, for, I think it was that 2012 Olympics.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for the 2012 London london paralympics so uh, so she did well so at the at that paralympics she uh, she did qualify and she uh, not uh, the paralympics the olympics uh, sorry the, the olympics the olympics jeff sorry that's that's just me um so the london london olympics in 2012 so she made the round of 32 so she um in the round of 128 she beat uh your dearest y- 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 silver Four um, nil, and then she beat Nijia Lian, who's a really seasoned veteran uh, from Luxembourg. She beat her four-two in the round of sixty-four, and then lost to Lijia Gia um, uh, in the round of thirty-two, four games to two, which was yeah, which was fantastic. And uh, Lijia Gia went on to win um, to win the uh, the gold medal at the Paralympics.
0: There you at, go. At Olymp-
1: Olympics, Jeff. Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry,
0: but I don't yeah. think she's playing anymore, is she? No,
1: I think she's. I think she's retired. Well, she's getting old, Jeff. She's yeah, 20- exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, getting getting on a bit, but yeah, doing doing lots of other things with her life. So, um, yeah, and and uh, I suppose notably a, a very good acquaintance of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Um, and uh, no, you know knows them as uh, Uncle Warren and Uncle Bill. There
0: you so go. Th-
1: yeah. So. Uh, not a yeah. bad
0: couple of people to know. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> probably probably not going to struggle in your life if you know those two.
0: Two richest men in the world.
1: <laughs> That's right. So yeah. So Ariel Singh. Yeah. Happy birthday for the twenty ninth.
0: There you go. Happy birthday. Yes. So I wonder is um are Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates still the richest men in the world? They were kind of, uh, you know, overtaking each other for a while, but I don't know if someone else has come along now. Who um, knows?
1: There you go. Well, who knows? <laughs> it's not. It's not you, is it, Jeff?
0: <laughs> no, I can guarantee it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, alloys. Well, let's move on to the tournament wrap. We've had the World Junior Championships, alloys. This seems pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, the um, the World Junior Championships was big event. um, interestingly the uh, the team's events went a very similar way, both of them. so um, so in the both the boys and the girls, China was the winner and you know avenging the defeats from the previous world Junior championships and I think they were pretty keen to to take these titles this time. but um, in the girls singles, they uh, beat Japan three one. And in the boys' singles, they beat Japan three nil. So really stamping their authority on uh, on the game again. Um, the the boys' uh, teams, interestingly, was the finishing positions was China, Japan, and then the semi finalists in both were Korea and Romania. Can you believe that, Jeff?
0: That's uh, exactly the same in the boys and the and the girls. Yep,
1: yep, yep. Exactly the same. So uh, who
0: would have thought? So well, yeah. well done to Romania. That's that's yeah. a good performance. Yeah, really, really is,
1: and good to see. Obviously, good development program happening in Romania for their uh, for their youngsters to make the semifinals of both the boys and the girls teams. Mm. Um, and then there was also the the singles events or the individual events. So in the in the girls singles, it was. I'll tell you what, it's a t- it's a tough gig when you've got to uh, uh, fr- front up to the number nine player in the world. Um, in the junior girls' uh, event, so the final was between Sun, Sun Yingsha uh, and Wang Yu. So Wang Manyu is uh, is the lowly number ten in the world in the women's rankings, um, and she just couldn't get over the number nine um, player in the world, Sun Yingsha, in the final. So that's so, yeah, amazing. That number isn't it? ten in the world. That's right. It does make you world, wonder
0: why um, you don't get um, some of the other better young people playing like Haramoto and, um, you know, Mima Ito from Japan didn't play. Uh, yeah. Exactly. The 9 and 10 yep. in the world playing, you'd think they might have considered it themselves.
1: Yeah, but I think, I think you know, China probably had something to prove at this World Junior Championships just to assert their authority again uh, because their last um, the last World Junior Championships wasn't so good for them. Um, so yeah but in the in the boys interestingly um the final was between Zhuifei Fei from China and Truls Morregard from Sweden so Ooh. um yeah so in the boys semis uh let's just try to find the uh, yeah Zhuifei uh, Fei beat Wang Chu Chu Chin from China but um uh, Truels in the quarter beat Zhu Hai Dong from China and then in the semi beat New Guan, Guan Kai from China 4-3 so uh, to make the final and then in the final played pretty well um I watched a bit of it um on ITTV and uh, it truly you know, gave a good account of himself losing 4-1 uh you know the the game scores were 9 10 4 he won the fourth and nine and then lost the fifth 8 so you know certainly wasn't out of it. Uh, interesting style by uh, Trulls mm-hmm. plays v- plays very flat um, on uh, on both the forehand and backhand, and really punching the ball through on both sides. Um, so yeah, watch out for that style, and just see how how Trulls uh goes in the next couple of years. I mean, currently he's he's two ninety five in the world in the in the men's, uh, and Jui Faye seventy nine in the world in the men's. So you know, big world. Ranking gap there, but uh, but yeah, Trul's gave a good uh, good account of himself in the boys' final.
0: Excellent, all right, and good for Sweden. Um, they seem to seem to have just been slipping off over the last decade, just slightly. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess it's that's hard right. to follow up from some of the great players they've had in the past. But um, yeah, watch out for Trul's Morgard coming through. Excellent, all right. Um, well, that's exciting. World World Junior Championships always like to see that and see you know the young up and comers. Although, like you said, in the world in the women in the girls singles, we've already got the world ranked number nine and ten in the final. All right, that moves us on, Alloys, to the tip of the week.
1: Yeah, so tip of the week this week is keep your head still. So um, when we play, um, often often you'll find that the players, especially when they're beginning, their, their head just um, flies all over the place. Hopefully it stays attached to their neck, but uh, <laughs> it, it flies all over the place. And the thing to think about here is that if you were trying to read a book with your head flying everywhere, it's really difficult to read a book. So similarly, if your head is moving, your eyes are moving, and so it's difficult to read the ball and to watch the ball carefully. So it's really important that in when you're playing in general that you try to keep your head as still as possible so when i when i mean still i mean you don't it needs to move with your body obviously but it's not waving side to side or or twisting too much so um yeah so just that stability will help you to um to be able to see the ball you'll also find that if your head is waving around, it upsets your, your just your general balance with uh, with your body as well. so by keeping your head still you'll find that uh, that you'll be able to see the ball a bit easier and also it'll help with your balance.
0: yeah that, that's a good tip now, really the tip of the week and the drill of the week they're kind of combining into one now maybe we should just have a a trill of the week. Drill. Drill of the Tip week. Tip and a drill of the week. But, yeah, so how how do people practice this or what are some tips to look out for when when they are playing to make sure they keep their heads still? And I guess this is really the drill of the week.
1: Yes, indeed. So, yeah, just, just get your practice partner to block the ball anywhere on the table to start off with. Um, and I want you to just keep... Um, track or, or keep focus on how still you can keep your head. One way that you can do this is just put your free hand against the side of your head while you're playing. Um, and that just gives you a bit of feedback as well. When, you're, when your head starts wobbling around, you'll, you'll actually feel it in your hand. So just uh, just give that a try to start off with and then take it away. Take your hand away and then still observe how still you can keep your head while that ball's flying all over the place. Um, as you get a little bit better, then just increase the speed of, uh, of the, the ball that's coming to you. So get your partner to start to just speed it up a bit. Um, and then also start to try to play uh, stronger shots. So instead of perhaps blocking, uh, then you can start trying to topspin, but still keeping that head as still as possible.
0: Yeah, now when I'm picturing this, Alice, I'm picturing myself trying to keep my head still. And I can hear that you've got
1: your hand against your head there, Jeff.
0: Yeah, exactly, I do. (laughs) Um, I'm picturing myself trying to keep my head very still, but for some reason, the image I see is keeping my feet really still at the same time because that'll keep my head still, like but not moving at all. So if the ball goes wider, maybe I just stretch out my arm or something. But that's just that's just not right either, is it?
1: No, that's right. So you're moving you're moving your body as a unit. But if you if you imagine a rod going straight through um, down through your head and through your body, you want to try and keep Ow. that. Oh, yeah, no, that that hurts. Um, you, you want to keep that as straight as possible. So perhaps if you imagine it like that, Jeff.
0: Okay, so like my spine, keep my spine nice and straight up yep. right, right up to and, my neck. And yep, then I right can up. move sideways but just keep all that steady. Yep. yep. Okay. Give that a go. Good one. All right. Um, but, but you're right. It just makes a lot of sense that if your head's wobbling all over the place, you're just not going to be able to keep track of the ball and – it's going to be harder to yeah, even make contact with it. But if you just keep still and in position, and I guess that's the thing. When you look at these top players, they've got incredible footwork, but they always look balanced and they always look in position and they always look ready to just hit amazing shots.
1: Yeah, in, yeah exactly. And uh, and that's, again, watch, watch the best players and watch the stability of their, their bodies, but also of their heads.
0: Mm, all right. Good drill and tip of the week there, Aloys. So yeah, get out on the table and just yeah, just put some focus on it. Make sure you're keeping your head nice and still as you're moving around the court. Excellent. All right, well, let's get on to the questions. Aloys, are you ready?
1: I am indeed. What's
0: right. Jeffrey? Yeah, we've got some good questions. Good. Excellent. First up is one from Chandracher. It says, Hi, Aloys. When should I use my backhand to attack? And when should I pivot and attack with my forehand instead? He says, although with my forehand, I can generate more speed um, at times. I'm not fast enough to pivot. And he says, I'm equally good at my backhand and my forehand.
1: Yeah. So trend It's a good question. Um, When, when should you pivot? I think you should pivot if your forehand is stronger and you want to finish the rally. Um, I see a lot of players uh, playing. I mean, even if their forehand's slightly better than their backhand, they start to play too many forehands and they move across too far, and that really exposes them to um, to that wide forehand and then to the wide backhand. But if you can stay more central and more stable and utilize your backhand, um, it's uh, from the backhand corner. Uh, you'll find that you're going to be able to cover the table much better. Now, obviously, you need to work on your backhand. So if, you, if your backhand is really weak, then it almost forces you to have to pivot more um, and you use your forehand across more more of the table. So if you imagine, imagine across the table um, and the white line down the, down the centre of the table, so if you're playing forehands from on the right-hand side of the white line for for right-handers and backhands on the left-hand side of the of the white line that's almost a balance between the two if your forehands a little bit stronger then you might want to move that crossover line a little bit to the left so that you're starting to play forehands from perhaps 60% of the table and backhands on 40% again then if you're if your forehand's a lot stronger, then that might that line might move again to you know seventy percent and thirty percent um, of the table being covered by forehand and backhand.
0: And obviously, uh, as you cover more with the forehand, you're going to need better footwork as well.
1: Exactly, yeah, because then then you're exposing that wider wider ball on the forehand. So yeah, so it depends a lot on your relative abilities between your backhand and forehand. Um, but you know, if you're a beginner starting out, try to develop both sides uh, equally so that then you can start to play, uh, you know, strong shots on both your backhand and forehand. And, and, and we're noticing more and more that the players today uh, are developing their backhands a lot and uh, and their their backhands are almost as strong as their forehand.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think some of the weaknesses of, of the backhand happens when the ball does come a bit higher because it's just much easier to play a forehand off a higher ball. Because it's just the backhand's just awkward if it gets up around head height, um, yeah. or even shoulder height. And and I guess that's another time when you can pivot, just when you've got a bit more time.
1: Yeah, exactly. When that ball is up higher, it, it uh, by almost by definition it means that you're going to have a bit more time to be able to to get around and pivot and use your forehand to finish that higher ball.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, Chandra Chur, hopefully that helps you out. So, yeah, try and work on your... Well, you said your backhand is equally as good, so you don't need to pivot that much, really. Um, but, yeah, if you want to finish off the ball and you've got a bit more time, that's, that's when you can really uh, take advantage of that extra time and get around and use your forehand. All right. Next up is a question from David, and he says, I was wondering, how would you suggest setting measurable goals in table tennis? If you had a goal to improve your forehand loop or short push, how would you measure improvement? Can you please suggest some examples of good goals to have in table tennis? Thanks for all you do. It's greatly appreciated.
1: Thank you, David. Yeah. So, yeah, measurable goals. Um, We talked a little bit about um, goals and things a while ago. Yeah. But... The, the word measurable, I think, is the really important word there, David, um, and you obviously have have a good knowledge of this. So when we're setting up goals for ourselves, it's important that we are able to, to tick them off or not tick them off. Um, for example, if I just put down as my goal, um, I want to get better at forehands, um, at the end of the period, I go back and I mean, how do I really know whether my forehand's better or not? Um, so, having a measurable goal will really help you help you here. Uh, some some ways you can um, measure your goals in table tennis are. Let, let, let's take the forehand topspin as an example. Um, if you're practicing your forehand topspin, it might be that you are able to play. 10 forehand topspins in a row. Um, And that might be uh, with your other person person blocking. Or it might be that um, in a game situation, you get someone to sit down on the sidelines and just count for you how many forehand topspins you get on the table and how many forehand topspins you miss during a game. Or it might be off the third ball. um, You could do exactly the same thing. So how many third ball forehand topspin opportunities you get um, and how many times you actually make that forehand topspin in a game situation? So th- there's some simple ways of uh, of measuring um, measuring your goals. I remember um, early on um, with one of my coaches, Keith Keen, uh, was really keen on the consistency, and he set up a consistency chart. And now we've uh, copied that, and we have the consistency chart. So that's a simple way as well to measure. Um, your consistency with your strokes so uh, the consistency chart just sets out for you you can set out um, the type of stroke you want to do and then each time you practice see how many forehands for example you can do in a row uh, put put that down and then uh, next time see if you can beat that score
0: and the beauty about the consistency chart is it's so easy to use and, and it gives you that feedback like it, it's just a number, so you know, the, the statistics don't lie.
1: Of course, thank you, Israeli.
0: <laughs> oh dear. Um, but the the other ways that you talked about, like looking at how you're doing it in a match situation, alloys, maybe getting someone on the side, that sounds like really good because it. it, it it gets to measure you when you're actually playing a match and under pressure, but it does require, you know, a bit of extra effort. You've got to get someone else to do it. Um, so, so it is harder to, to measure that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and ultimately, that's what you want to measure. I mean, um, measuring how many forehands you can do in a practice situation is good, but the end goal is to be able to do that forehand in a, in a game situation. So that's what you really want to measure.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, great question, David. Um, Hopefully that gives you a few tips. And yeah, if you want to try that in a match situation, say you're playing pennant, maybe you can check with your teammates and maybe you can all get together and uh, you know measure each other um, one competition night. Um, Maybe that's a good way to approach it. Um, Because I think that'd be really interesting for people because I get a feeling a lot of people don't really know what percentage of shots they make. Like they might what they think and what reality is, I think, will be very different if they actually got someone to sit down and measure it. All right, good one, David. All right, next question is from Aaron. And Aaron said, I was watching how to do the forehand flick, and I noticed that a lot of players bring their arm backwards a little and tilt their wrist backwards when preparing. Then the stroke is to brush forward and up on the ball, similar to drawing a V with some wrist. He says, but what is the importance of those actions? Because maybe I could attack the ball simply by doing a short forehand counter-hit stroke drive while also stepping under the table. It seems to produce similar results. So why is a forehand flick stroke the way it is? And could I use the sh- short forehand drive stroke to attack the incoming short ball?
1: Yeah, um, good question, Aaron. So, so when that ball is short on the table and low, if you try to do a forehand counter hit stroke, basically you don't have enough backswing. So if you're starting down um, at the table, you've only got between the table and the contact point to be able to generate enough um, speed uh, with your racket when you're when you're contacting the ball. The flick uses the wrist to compensate for that so so one of the key elements of the of the flick is to get that wrist back as far as you can so back as uh, like you're opening a gate with your wrist so by getting that wrist back now you're starting to be able to generate a little bit more speed with your racket before you make contact with the ball and that v action or it can also be described as a figure eight so you can do it in a figure eight type motion um just gives you some um, impetus with the stroke and inertia and uh, allows the, the back to, to develop some speed before you contact the, the, uh, the ball. So just doing that short forehand counter hit stroke doesn't allow enough speed on the, um, on the contact
0: yeah that makes sense it's more the wrist is really what's important isn't it because I guess if does it matter if you start high come down in a V and then sort of flick up or could you be low the whole time and just get your wrist back
1: um, um, yeah you, you you can the uh, but then that uh, that's a that's a stop. Uh, to start whereas the the v or the figure eight is a flowing motion so that's why you you just can develop a little bit more speed with a flowing motion rather than uh, a back and forward
0: yeah and it just kind of feels more natural as well i think yeah
1: you're doing it there too, aren't you, Jeff? Yep. I, I know you're doing it. That's just, right. And all you, all you listeners are probably out there just playing around with your wrist. Ho- hopefully, hopefully you're not driving at
0: this <laughs> time. <laughs> exactly. I'm just practicing the flick, seeing which way. Yeah, and I think if yeah, the figure V just seems to feel natural to me.
1: There you go. Yeah. All right, stay Aaron. On, stay, on, stay on the road. Let's
0: just... <laughs> stay on the road, exactly. All right, Aaron, get out there, practice that forehand flick. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to our video on the forehand flick so you can, uh, everyone can check that out. And uh, be flicking like a master in no time, Alois. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Next question is from Chiang. He says, my friend is in the level between a beginner and an intermediate. And he has good enough feel for spin, and, uh, for spin, yeah. And he wants to develop his feel more. His rubber has been totally worn out, and he'd like to replace it with a new rubber. Would a two point one millimeter sponge be suitable?
1: Yeah. Um, so Hin, the the thickness of the sponge is important, uh, and also the type of rubber. So if you um, are going to use a really fast rubber uh, with a two point one millimeter sponge, that may be too fast for him. For example, um, a tenergy, we always quote 10, but if you use tenergy rubber, that's very fast. So if he's a beginner to intermediate using a two point one mil sponge, then that would be too fast. But if he's using a two or two point one mil sponge in something like a Mark V, then that would be suitable. So you have to take into account the thickness of the sponge and also the type of rubber. So with the thickness, um, the thicker the sponge, basically the faster and more spin you'll generate. The thinner the sponge, the slower it'll be and the more control you have of the rubber. So it's then just a matter of finding what suits you, find the speed of the rubber, and then find the thickness that's going to suit your level of play. Um, And don't try to go too fast, too thick, too soon
0: yeah yeah we get a lot of questions about this don't we Alois and um some people seem to want to be like well if I'm going to end up with the fastest rubber at the end maybe I should just get the fastest one now and just develop my game uh using that fast rubber but what why do you think that sort of doesn't really work
1: yeah I, I, I think it compromises your learning of the stroke um is probably the main thing um if the bat or rubber is too fast and you're trying to learn the forehand, you'll tend to compromise your forehand stroke. You'll tend to just jab at the ball um, and the stroke will become really small. Because um, the ball's
0: like, coming off faster already, you kind of just play a shorter stroke.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And and if – and. initially, if you're playing a full stroke and you haven't got good control of it, the ball's going to fly long off the end of the table. Um, And so you're going to think, oh, no, I've got to change that stroke. The stroke is okay. It's just more developing the control of the stroke that's important.
0: Right. And then, then like, um, I guess that makes sense then about when you should move on to the next rubbers. Like, you keep saying when you can sort of play a full stroke um, consistently and you feel like you need some more speed. Then it's time to move up to a faster rubber.
1: Exactly. That's okay,
0: right. yeah. All right, and then moving up to the faster rubber, you've you got a couple of choices. You can either increase the sponge thickness or you can go to a rubber that is faster.
1: That's right, exactly. So, yeah, then you can, then you can start to think about those increases in your equipment.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, is it important whether you go for a faster rubber or should you increase the thickness of the one you're using first or does it not really matter?
1: um yeah it's probably a little bit of both um i think uh if it depends on how thick or thin you're using so if you're using say a 1.5 mil then you could move up to a two or a maximum in the same rubber yep um if you're using a two i wouldn't necessarily go up to a maximum i'd probably go to a faster rubber
0: good one Excellent. All right, Chiang thank, or Hin Chiang. Thanks for uh, thanks for the question. Um, very interesting. We get a lot of questions about equipment, so hopefully that answer there helps a lot of people. All right, Alois. That wraps up show two ninety nine.
1: Wow, that's exciting, isn't it?
0: It is. So everyone, get ready for show three hundred. It's going to be huge. Because ping that's competition next competition right? Giveaway ping skills t shirts. Tell all your friends. You must listen to next week's show. 300.
1: Exactly. Listen to it because that's next. After 299 comes 300.
0: Yep, and Alois is just right on top of his maths. Brilliant.
1: I know these I know these things. That's right.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you tell your friends about Show 300 and tell them to get to Pingskills.com. Thank you, Alois.
1: Thank you, listeners, and uh, two hands on the wheel.
0: <laughs> Bye.